everybody. Welcome to another exciting episode of Social PR Secrets. And I am here today with Bob Rignieres. Hey, Bob, how are you? Good, Lisa. Good to be on the show today. Yay. Yeah. So one thing we have in common is we kind of watched digital evolve to what it is today. And we can kind of talk about that and kind of talk about where we think it's going. But tell me, so I was just reading your bio. So you've been in digital since around 1998. What was it like then? How did you get into it? Well, it's kind of like uh, the Garden of Eden, right? Everything was perfect. You know, we were walking around, we were oblivious to all the evil around us, right? (laughs) Yeah, it was interesting. I have a programming background. So when I came out of college, I worked for a couple big corporations. You'd you'd recognize the names. And I worked on big mainframe computers. So, you know, machine language coding. And the internet was just coming into its own at that time. Amazon was just a book selling company. And I remember it was very distinctive. I'm a high school basketball coach. And so my connection to this particular local sporting goods store was I bought my uniforms and basketballs and stuff from them. But they knew I was a programmer and I had been talking with the owner and said, hey, I, I, you know, I'd love to set up a website for you because it'd be a new challenge for me program wise. So I set up a new website for them. This is back in 1998 and it was an e-commerce site. So I built a shopping cart, you know, I used my coding skills and, you know, worked perfectly. And uh, the question he asked me was, well, this is great. Like, how do we get people to the site? And I said, oh, I know how to do that too. And I had no idea <laughs> how to do that. So I, I literally started my digital marketing education right there in 1998 after I built the site and helped them build it up. Now that that client, I am still a client of theirs, but they're still a client of mine 22 years later, 23 years later. So I must have done something good at that time. But yeah, that started my journey. Amazing how that marketing. works. Isn't it? it? It's funny. I, I, you know, breaks come all over the place. I've got a lot of stories of how I was just in the right place at the right time for things. But it's always just kind of being available and making yourself available to those things. But certainly, I think part of it is kind of kind of looking ahead and seeing what's next seeing what works and kind of diving in and, you know, building up your expertise. So I know a lot of people on this podcast are probably, you know, they're, they're real good with organic and paid. I spend most of my time in the paid world. I started with the old pay-per-click engines, goto.com, Overture, Yahoo, uh, moved into Google AdWords, but then really settled in in 2013 to Facebook, which I really fell in love with in terms of a media because it it more falls in line with kind of how I like to market, which is story-based. And, you know, Google AdWords is very technical, keywords, prices, you know, short ads. I'm a little bit more on the side of, I I like longer form copy and stories and video. And it just really kind of melded into a really good media for me to be successful and build up an expertise in. Yeah. And I can remember, you know, also starting out, I was in traditional PR and kind of a little bit of a similar story. I, you know, the digital side of things started exploding and I was like, okay, I really see an opportunity for traditional PR to go way beyond, you know, the archaic ways that Mm -hmm. we had been doing things for like 50 or 60 or 70 years and nothing had changed in so long and in, in, in the industry. And I was just thinking, you know, this is really boring. Everybody's doing the same thing. And yeah. I started figuring out how to leverage, you know, the search engines and then eventually Facebook and Twitter and um, the different social channels on the organic side and how to use it to leverage PR. But then I saw the beauty of actually combining the paid side of Facebook to even, you know, get the message out or get the word out, get the news out. And, and like you just said, storytelling. 
Yeah. And I was like, you know, it used to be church and state when it came to <laughs> public relations and advertising, like they didn't mix. And today it's, it's blended beautifully. And, you know, there's the e-com side, which I'm sure you're still part of, but if, you know, you're talking about storytelling. So tell us some of the, the ways that brands small and large can use Facebook today. I mean, there is also a little bit of a love-hate relationship there between certain parties. Yeah, you know, I love I love what you said, you know, marketing like church marketing and PR in church and state. I do companies still have like a separate PR and marketing department? Do they do they merge them? I, I know probably advanced companies do, but are there still like different? You would be surprised. I mean, even the Fortune 100, Fortune 500 companies, every everything is still very much in silos and they're not collaborating. And it's like, oh, this is what our social advertising, you know, department or company is doing. But I'm like, okay, why don't we get together with PR and, and talk about what everybody's doing so that we can help each other? It's so interesting because I would think by this time it would have blended because I mean, I don't know about you, but I mean, marketing is really a conversation with the marketplace and it doesn't, uh, you know, obviously we're going to talk about Facebook, but in some ways I'm kind of media agnostic in terms of like, what's the best way to get the message out? You know, for me, like LinkedIn is a really good way for me to get clients, you know, networking and things like that. I mean, that's a great media. Twitter's a great media. Facebook is just a great way to reach like 5 billion users. <laughs> I mean, you know, and so it's a platform that is really easy to use and you, it's completely accessible, not a huge learning curve. And I think most of your success in advertising is really how well do you know your market and, and how well can you communicate with them? And the, the media becomes irrelevant at that point if, if you can find the right audience. So I think the right answer to your to your next question was, you know, how do you use Facebook? Well, if if you think about how you're communicating with your marketplace and, you know, how are you how are you getting their attention? You know, we talk about top of funnel, uh, middle of funnel, bottom of funnel. So top of funnel is there's people out there that have never heard of us or they haven't thought about us in a long time. And so our first job really is just to kind of get attention. You know, we're, we're sending a signal to the marketplace and we're looking for people to raise their hands. One of the things I talk about in, in my book is the fact that too many advertisers dive in and they're going like bottom of funnel advertising to people that are cold. And that's why things aren't working. You need to be very cognizant of where somebody is in their customer awareness journey. So if somebody is at the stage where they're not really aware of a problem they have, or they're not aware of who you are, you got to get attention first. And so, you know, the job of, of PR and marketing is like, let's get attention on our client. Let's get attention on this subject, on our products, on our services. Yeah, we're trying to sell it, but that's more of an end goal. You know, the initial goal is we've got to get eyeballs. We've got to get ears on us. And Facebook is a phenomenal mechanism for that. And, and honestly, it's still rather inexpensive to do so at, at top of funnel. I think we put too much complexity into it and we're trying to do too much at the wrong times. I, I have this mantra, it's the, the right audience, okay? So it's the right content to the right audience at the right time. And I think that perfectly blends in probably with you teach Lisa in terms of like, this is how we're going to attack a marketplace. What are some, I love that. What are some examples of using Facebook for top of funnel? Like, What are some great examples that are working right now? 
Yeah, so uh, you know, I can go into any kind of vertical, but let's talk about an e-commerce company. So e-commerce has absolutely exploded during 2020. You know, COVID obviously forced a lot of retailers online, and so like a Shopify store or a WooCommerce store, really big deal. So what you want to do in this case is we're we're not necessarily driving people to a shopping cart. I think that's where a lot of e-com companies are focusing is we're just driving add to carts and we're trying to get checkouts. That's a wrong, it's a wrong approach in my opinion. What, what you want to do is really focus in on what my products do. So businesses exist to solve problems, okay? It's, it's not very interesting to me to a bit, for a business that doesn't like solve a need or solve a problem. So a, a good business, in my opinion, you've got products and services that solve a need, whether it's a B2B or B2C, doesn't matter. What you need to be doing with, with your Facebook campaigns, top of funnel, cold audience, is you need to be calling attention to the problem that you solve. All you're trying to do is send a signal to the marketplace, which is, I understand that this is a problem in your life, okay? And I am here to solve it, okay? I'm not here to sell you a solution. I'm here to solve your problem. And there's there's a difference. Yes, you want to make a sale, but you've got to earn that sale. So let's say you're in the golfing market, a uh, very hot market. You know, We know golfers are pretty rabid about buying things. But what is the specific what is the specific thing that you're solving so are you are you selling products that help with, with them with their putting with their driving you know maybe it's with the mental side of the game you know maybe you're like a golf coach you know what you have to be thinking about is what what are your potential customers thinking in their mind you know what's bothering them so somebody who let's say is a like a scratch golfer uh, let's call them like they're they're somewhere around a 90 golfer 90 to 100 strokes what they're looking to do is they're looking to knock 10 strokes off their game and be competitive they need consistency so those are the types of things you want to be put out to the market content right content top of funnel that just says hey you know if you want to fix or slice you know get 10 strokes off your game this summer you know these are some things you should be thinking about i love even for e-com using content top of funnel articles videos to demonstrate your expertise, signal that you can solve a problem and bring people in that way. One thing that I see a lot with e-com companies is that they, and I totally agree about the whole content uh, strategy, but a lot of e-com companies really don't invest in content and have a blog and have a newsroom and have places that um, they're investing in educational type content, let's just say. And what are you finding when when it comes to e-com? Like, what do you say to that? Well, there's there's two types of e-com companies. There's the ones that are trying to find a cheap product in China and sell it for a profit. Okay, I, I'm not I'm not against those types of companies, but they're not building brands. Now, you and I are both kind of direct marketers, right? It's like we put an offer out, we want people to respond to it. But there's there's a place right now, as you know, for branding. Personal branding, company branding means a lot. Brand loyalty is a thing. The millennials and and Gen Xers really, really are looking for brands that they can attach themselves to. You know, even boomers, right, are are like they they get used to the the companies that they're willing to do business with. So you can do this in in this digital environment. One of my very first Facebook clients, I, I was there at the beginning. She grew her company to eight figures in revenue selling headbands. Now you think, well, how do you do that, right? Headbands, she's selling headbands for $20. 
But what we focused on with her, with her Facebook ads, was using a video that basically talked about who she was. But she first talked about the problem. So she's a mom, she's a CrossFitter, and she admits by her, by her own admission, it's, she has a funny shaped head. So whenever she bought a headband from like Dick's Sporting Goods or any type place like that, they would slip off her head. So she sat down at her kitchen table and tried different materials, finally sewed a headband that worked, wore it. Her friends at the club were like, hey, those are cool. So she made them for her friends. And then they decided, hey, maybe we got something here. And so essentially, she built an entire brand on, hi, my name is Amy Krause. I'm the founder of Boulder Brand Headbands. I'm a mom. I'm a CrossFitter. And I got really frustrated that my headbands kept falling off during my workout. So I set out to create Boulder Brand Headbands. Now, that was the top of funnel video we used. I, I summarized it, but that's the video we used and we brought people in. But what made people buy and what pe made people repeat customers was the fact that she developed a personal brand. She talked about the things that were important to her. So she was a mom. So she talked about her kids. Uh, she was married. She talked about her husband. She happened to be uh, a Christian. So she talked about her faith a lot. And just brought in a flood of people that were just like her. They were active. They, you know, they had a certain belief system. They, they were in the same kind of life situation as her and created such brand loyalty. And I remember telling her in our first phone call together, I said, you have a headband and people can absolutely knock off that headband. But what they can't knock off is your story. So I really love working with companies. I know you do too, Lisa, where it's like, there's a story there. Like there's something deeper than just, I'm trying to turn this piece of plastic into you know, a 20 cent profit. And I think that's the mindset that I enjoy working with companies who like, I wanna, I wanna build a business, I wanna build a brand, I wanna build a following. So it's not just about, I'm not just tied to a product, I'm, I'm tied to a market. And I wanna develop products and services that fulfill this market's desire. I love that. And so is there a checklist or some tips you can give about the brand story? And, and you know, what do you need to have in order to say, hey, Bob, here's our brand story. Now, how can you help us get the word out using Facebook? There are certain things that you would probably say, okay, you need to do this, this, and this. And I, I love the example you gave, but like, is there a couple of checklist points that we can go over? Yeah, I think a lot of people have read Simon Sinek's book, Start With Why, or they've read Donald Miller's Story Brand. Those are two books that I think are really good for somebody to read in terms of how do I develop a story for my particular brand? But it really comes down to, is, is there a personal reason why you do what you do? I think most people that have a substantial business can point back to like, you know, the reason I do this is because. Now, maybe it's, hey, I run this business because I want to fund this particular charity. That, that's a perfectly valid reason. I talked to somebody the other day who they sell watches. They're, they're about $200 watches. So they're not overly expensive, but they're not cheap. But they have this mission of um, helping people back in their home country of India get food. So they, you know, it's very much like Tom's, I think, is it Tom's shoes? I might be Tom, mixing yeah. up. But, you know, for every shoe that they sell, they donate a shoe. Well, they donate. 10 meals every time a watch is sold. And so that's a good connection there, right? So yeah, there's dozens and dozens and dozens of, of watch e-commerce brands out there, but this has a story attached to it. And so that puts personalization behind it. Now I told them, I said, look, it has to be a good watch. Overall, people still, it's like, you can't sell them garbage. You got to sell them a really good watch. It has good quality. 
you know, it stands for something. And then this story really makes people go, you know what, I'm concerned about people or kids going hungry. That's how you create that, that additional story that really connects. Like, that's why this guy is, is selling these watches or, you know, that's why this person is selling headbands. You know, there's, there's always a good story. And what I'm finding is when, when the business owner, when the, I'll say this, a lot of business owners, part, part of our strategy with our company is we like to put the business owner on video because we think it, I think it creates more rapport with the marketplace. We tend to not work with larger companies that maybe kind of hide behind a brand. So this has come and just come from personal experience and kind of what, what I gravitate towards. But I really think that a company that has a person that somebody can identify with that creates a culture is really magnetic. You know, Lee Iacocca even did this with Chrysler, Dave with Wendy's, like big, big companies, but there's like a person there. And I think, I think when you can explain to your market, kind of like you solve this problem, but the reason you do what you do, I think that's what really like magnifies you towards the marketplace and makes you kind of the premier choice over our, over the competition. I totally agree. That is such a great point. And also I think that part of the brand story today involves social responsibility and purpose. Yeah. Which is really important. You know, I've got uh, two young adult girls, young women now, I should call them. They're still my girls, but they're young women. But I, I notice how they buy and they have, they, they really like, they gravitate towards small business owners. So a lot of what they buy is on Etsy and they love buying from individuals that like have a story, you know, their moms or their, or, you know, that they, they love the component of like they're real and they don't enjoy companies that have like, they have a poor social record, you know, well, like environmental stuff or, you know, political stances or, you know, those types of things. I love companies that step forward and kind of know this is who we are versus those that kind of just kind of hide. So I, I think it's really critical to those younger buyers for sure. I'm not, I can't really say maybe my generation above, but certainly millennials and below really critical these days. And they're becoming more of a force as they, as they make more money. I'm glad you brought up small business. That's one of the um, areas I really wanted to talk about a little bit is small businesses when it comes to Facebook advertising, it could be difficult to navigate and you could yeah. really get discouraged and feel like, oh, you know, this doesn't work when you don't have the right expert or expertise behind your Facebook ad management. Right. So what advice do you give to small businesses on that? Well, I want to give some encouragement, first of all. So there's there's three things that will kind of make your ad stand out on Facebook. First one is budget. Let's not lie. Like if you can spend more, you get more visibility, but it's only one third of the equation. The The other two thirds, the first third is having really good, really good click-through rates. So what Facebook does is when they're showing your ad, they'll show your ad more if you have better click-through rates than your competitors. So this is an advantage a small business can get is that maybe I'm competing at somebody with a much bigger budget, but if I can make an ad that gets more people to click, I actually get it for a discount. That's, that's important. The other third is the response rate on your website. So by sending somebody to your website, and if your website converts visitors better than your competitors, that's an additional discount you get. So essentially you can spend either the same amount of money as your competitors and get more volume, or you spend less money for the same volume they're getting. That's how we create leverage as a small business, okay? So 
what you need to do though is get equipped. I wrote I wrote the book. It's sitting up behind me here. I got the ultimate guide to Facebook advertising. I really wrote that for people that sit down and do their own ads. Most of the people that have read my book are either a small agency or an individual business, and they're they're they don't they can't afford to hire an, a big agency, you know, to run their ads. So. I've, I've set it up in such a way that I've kind of demystified the interface. Obviously, the Facebook interface is going to get more complex as it, it matures. I mean, it started really simple. I think it's still relatively simple today versus like Google Ads. Like I just I get lost in the Google Ads interface. Like I just don't even do it anymore. But I, I really think where you can gain the most leverage over any other competitors, I don't care how big they are is by having better creative. And this is by Facebook's own admission. 80% of your success is gonna be how well you can develop creative. So it's the text above your picture, all right? Or it's the it's the video that you show. I, I really love good kind of long form, medium form copy, and then a, a really solid video. I found that to be kind of a one-two punch. So if you know your market really well, that's the advantage a small business has. They they can go out and really understand their market. Maybe their market's a little bit smaller, but they can really understand their market. And if you can communicate well with them, you're going to have a really successful Facebook campaign. It doesn't doesn't matter how sophisticated or rich you are. It's if you know your market really well and you know how to communicate, you have tremendous leverage and you're going to win. Is it worth it if you're let's say a restaurant and you have a menu and you still put like us on Facebook? Does it matter? Yeah, because we'll we'll, we'll think about think about the, the whole time we've been going through with the pandemic. You know, one of the things is you've got to remind people if they're holed up in their house that you are open, <laughs> you've got takeout or you have 25% capacity. So you need to be doing more to get people and people are going to be complacent otherwise. Right. So it doesn't take, you don't, you don't need to do a $5,000 a month budget. You could do 10, 15, $50 a day, you're driving people in, give them a reason to come in. Hey, Tuesday is taco night here. And, you know, come in, you know, show, show this, show this ad and get 10% off your order or get free delivery. You know, you should be doing more. So, I mean, I've seen plenty of examples of local businesses that have stepped up their game during the pandemic. A lot of people are saying, I can't afford to spend money. Well, the ones that are spending money are, are getting the volume. So I've got businesses all around me here in Payless Heights, a suburb of Chicago, that are doing fantastic because they let people know they're open. And they don't have large budgets, but they're doing enough to kind of push their visibility into the newsfeed. You know, it's unfortunately, sometimes it's a pay to play, right? But just a little bit of money goes a long way, especially for a local business. I totally agree. And actually, my um, sister and brother-in-law have the restaurant I'm referring to is in Chicago. You might have heard of it. It's called La Gondola in Lakeview. I don't know how far that is from. So Lakeview is like I know it's like a, it's just north of uh, downtown. Right? Yeah. It's kind of a, it's a, it's a really nice area of the city. Doesn't yeah. ring a bell, but. Yeah, so they, I have love a, the area. they have a restaurant and I'm totally with you. I mean, I think that using your Facebook page is like basically an extension of your website. People are going to if they're if they're on Facebook anyway, they're going to look up um, a restaurant to find out the hours or to find out what the special is or what, you know, how they're handling COVID. The unfortunate part with Facebook is that if you're not paying to play organically, your reach is, you know, below 1% or something like that. So right. how do you leverage if you do, you know, still have on your menu, like us on Facebook, using Facebook ads, how can you, you, you can target, for example, your 
your followers and like what yeah. are some ways that you can leverage sure. your followers and your, yeah. So a couple of things. Number one, you should be obviously as much as possible collecting email addresses. So I want to I, I want to stress during these times, like try to con- keep connected in multiple media. But what I would do is this is you have people that follow you on Facebook. You could put a post out one post a day or one post a week. Just do something. Number one, boost it to your followers. OK, and you could do like a ten dollar boost. And that's probably going to cover and reach all your followers. So use a reach objective for that. Okay. Reach objective. I want Facebook to show this to as many of my followers as possible. And then do the same post, except go to people who are not your followers. So exclude your followers and spend another five or $10 reaching people like in a single zip code. Okay. Just focus in on one zip code. If you have a little bit more budget, then maybe expand to a zip code or two surrounding yours, but use a reach campaign to go after them as well. So um, that just to, I just want to make sure. So that campaign, the, the, it would be different ad sets for the different targeting. Exactly. One ad set to your followers and then one ad set to people who will call them strangers, but they're soon to be customers of yours. And what do you feel about the post, like the creative on the post? Should it be something that is um, sending traffic back to, let's say, the menu, or should it just be in, what, what, what would you describe as like the best post for what you're talking about right now? Depends what you're doing. If you're, if you're promoting, like, I know a restaurant here created family packs, you know, for a family of four. So they, they were running, they showed a picture of kind of the meal. And then they, they did like a video. So they showed like the meal as it would look in a restaurant, but then they showed them transforming it into like really like, you know, efficient packaging, nice bag, customer drives up, flips up on their back, they put it in and they drive away. So they showed everything in one, in one little video. There was a link then to that part of the menu on their website. So it linked directly to that. Now you of course have your full menu, right? You've got that and you want that for people, but this was, they set up something special. So it's like they put up a special page. And so I, I would do that because it makes it easier for your cust- your new customers to kind of go, okay, that's pretty easy. Gives them the information they need. And then they could go ahead and place an order from there. What's your feeling about stories, Facebook stories? Well, stories are great. If, I mean, I don't want to focus in on restaurants, but I know there's several restaurants around me that have basically said like, look, yeah, we're, you know, we're closed to patrons, but we're, we're stepping up our social game. So, you know, a restaurant um, down the street here was bundling up food and, and walking over to the firehouse, to the local police. They were, they had special promotions going on for nurses and teachers, you know, come in and free this, free that. So they were telling stories about the restaurant, but they were putting the focus on people that they've helped, you know, the social aspect of that. People appreciate that and they're going to support a business like that. That's a great way to tell a story. But, you know, one of the best ways, one of the best ways to promote your business is to put your customers on camera. Use use testimonials. If you're a business that works, you know, in transforming people's lives, develop case studies, you know, one to two minute video showing the transformation that somebody has. If you're a health coach, you know, talk about, have your clients on camera talking about the transformation they've made in their life. If you're an agency, you know, and you, you work for clients, you help do this marketing for them, you know, to get more clients into your organization, put your clients on camera 
and ask them how their life has changed since working with you. One of the most powerful things you can do in marketing is take the camera off you and put it on your customers. It's, it's 10 times more effective. That's one of my mantras with PR. It's not about you. It's about them. Yes, absolutely. I love it. Right. Yes. So tell us about your book and if you have anything else that we should know about any events that you're going to be speaking at or any courses or anything like that, where can we find you? Yeah, I'm not going to be too selfish, except I want everyone to get the book. I mean, for less than $20, you're going to get an amazing Facebook education. Took me a year and a half to put it all together. It's the fourth edition of the book. It's completely rewritten from the third. It is, it was, it has been a very popular series. So I know that people have gotten it before. It's completely updated. There's a lot of great concepts. If you're brand new, like if you're brand new, you can sit down and, and start a campaign. I, I absolutely guarantee it. But I also guarantee if you're an advanced marketer and Facebook advertiser, you're going to open this book and go, oh, that's something different. I haven't seen that before. I do that. I mean, you and I are both very experienced, but we don't stop investing in our education ever. So my intent with this book was I want this to sit by an advertiser's desk. I want it sitting right next to their right hand or left hand. I wanted something that they could refer to. So I would love for them to go get it at Amazon. I also have a resource page, ultimatefb.com. And I obviously have links to the book, but I have some bonus interviews with some of the guest authors. I, I had some of my friends help me with it. Obviously, I co-wrote it with Perry Marshall, who a lot of people know, Jeff Walker, Brian Kurtz, Dennis Yu, Ryan Dice. I just interviewed the- Dennis a couple weeks ago. Dennis is amazing. Yeah, just an amazing we've been friends man. for so long. He's great. I was hoping yeah. you were going to say him. Well, he's just a really, really generous man, and I, I appreciated him contributing uh, to the book. And so I interviewed them, just like you and I are sitting down. I interviewed and you know talked with them on Zoom for 40 minutes or so, and just had them share some things that they don't normally talk about, which is kind of cool. So that's ultimatefb.com. They can hear those interviews, get a link to the book, and uh, you know once they're on my list, they're certainly going to hear about all the different ways I can help them. Great. And I would also think the book would be good for executives who might need to just brush up on their knowledge so that they can have educated conversations with the people they're hiring and maybe ask the right questions. Yeah, I would not consider this a technical book. It's There's obviously technical things in there, but most of the book is written as a fundamental basis. Surprise coming from a basketball coach, right? <laughs> but there's, there's marketing fundamentals in there that it's really about strategy and you know, how to craft messaging. And I think that's ultimately what somebody's going to get out of it. So I, I would love for, yeah, it, it'd be a great idea for somebody who just kind of wants to keep up with things. It's, it's another great read for them for that. Well, we'll definitely put the links in the show notes and make sure that everybody can access it. So if you didn't, if you weren't able to write it down, don't worry, just, you can go to the website, socialprsecrets.com and we'll have all of the links from Bob and all of his great sources. Well, it's a great conversation. Thank you for having me on. Time always flies. These, these go so fast. It does we get- fly. We should do another one and we can maybe dissect my, my sister and brother-in-law's Facebook and you know do like kind of like a live experiment. Dennis also has access. He's had access to LaGondola's ad manager since day one. So he uses oh. LaGondola's like a little bit of an experiment sometimes. Is always oh, giving that's so cool. Yeah, my brother-in-law um- doesn't always listen though. <laughs> well, I would listen Andy. to Dennis if I were if I were him. But yeah, I love doing that. I, I do audits for companies all the time. I hosted an event, obviously not last year, but in 2019, I had 12 people in the room. We spent two days together and it was kind of like Bob without a net. 
we just we put them we gave everybody about an hour and a half and we put their campaigns on the screen and we just worked through issues and it was just mind-blowing uh the types of results we were get so yeah anytime we can open a campaign and like look at things we're going to find things that are going to be really educational that that'd be a blast i'd love to do it awesome you'll have to come visit lagangalo when things get um a little bit more open yeah. Oh, yeah. I love great recommendations. When you live in a big city, there's so many restaurants to go to. So whenever I hear about a good one, especially like like a, a single own non-chain, like exactly. I'm all for it. I, yes. I love I love to go visit. All right. Awesome. Well, Bob, thank you so much for joining me today. And we'll catch up again on another episode. That sounds great, Lisa. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Social PR Secrets. If you like what you heard, check out the book on Amazon or follow our blog at socialprsecrets.com. This episode was sponsored by The Buyer Group, a social PR agency striving to keep our balance in the digital world, practicing public relations, social media, and search marketing, while occasionally drinking a glass of wine or two for the best creativity and results. Thank you all for tuning in. If you would like to get a free chapter of Social PR Secrets, go to socialprsecrets.com slash free.